0: You have to know the Word of God. Mary knew the Word of God. You know, want to know something? She knew the Word. This is an amazing, this is an amazing thing. This, this. Here she is, she's a freshman in high school, probably illiterate from backwater Nazareth. I guarantee you she doesn't have a Bible in her house. They don't have printing presses back then. She knew the Word. Why did she know the Word? Because she went to church and she was with God's people. She went to church and she was with God's people. So she writes this song. In this song, packed. 17, count them, 17 allusions to the rest of the Old Testament. 20 meditations on the attributes of God. This is who God is. She's got a reference to the Exodus. She's got quotations from the Psalms. And she has, to button it all up, a beautiful, bracing, proclamation of a 2,000 year old covenant that God had made to Abraham and that by the way is still good for us today. The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content go to peaceinaiken.com Now keep in mind that what I'm about to read what we call in Latin, the Magnificat. This is Mary's song. The song that she sings when she rejoices that she is the mother of God. This is what she says to us. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. This is the gospel of our Lord. Luke uh, starts this little section that we call a magnificat with the word and. A-N-D. Do you like that word? I'm not talking about the way that it is a connector, a conjunction, grammatically. I'm talking about what it says about your life when you use it to describe the story of your life, it always indicates change. And. Now change can be good or change can be bad. I think a lot of times we like to think about change as only being good. You hear that advice sometimes? Or this comfort sometimes. There's a bad thing in your life. What does somebody say? This too shall pass. And it's true. Everything always changes. But it's not just bad things that pass. Good things do too. I think it's important to remember that as well. That beautiful... Sunset, this too shall pass. This beautiful relationship that you have, this too shall pass. Everything changes. How do you feel about that? What should we do about that? Reality. And this little scripture gives us a magnificent opportunity to, 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 to talk about that. What do we do about this? I want to, obviously, for three reasons. First, because it is my last time this calendar year, my last time to preach a major sermon to you, so I want to get you ready for 2022. Second, you have here... In the words of a teenage girl, how to resiliently live your life amidst change. A magnificent example from a teenager. Third, life is going to change. You might as well be ready for it. That's the way that life is. We always think we'll get to this plane of existence where everything's going to be okay. And you know what? We never, ever get there. Not in this life. I was at a conference last week. Some of you know that, a pastor's conference. There was a speaker there. This is what he said. He said, you think you're going to get there, but I could tell you stories you never do. There's always something It was like at that conference that God took an exclamation point and nailed us with it. One of the attendees at the conference had to fly home because his father-in-law was dying. Another knew of somebody who close to them who got a pretty lethal form of cancer, a diagnosis, and somebody got exposed to COVID who least could afford to get to exposed to COVID because of his health. There's always something. So how do we do it? I want to talk to you today under the theme of the resilience of Christmas. How do we live a life like Mary did where we are always singing no matter what with joy? How do we do it? I want to show you from this song three critical keys To living a resilient, joyful life. Here's your first one. Magnify God. That's where we're going to start. Magnify God. That's where we're going to start because that's where Mary starts. Mary starts, she says, My soul glorifies, my soul magnifies the Lord, different translations have a different way. Some translation says that Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, my soul glorifies the Lord. However you want to say it, I don't care. My soul makes great the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord. It's all the same thing. What Mary is doing is she is magnifying God, which I want to stop, stop and I want to point out that that right there is a beautiful and bracing, paradox why is it a paradox because it's impossible we don't make great God we can't we don't make God any more glorious than he already is we don't make him more powerful we don't make him more majestic we can't undo God nor can we make him it's not like God stops being God if we don't believe in Him. It's not like sin stops being sin if we don't think, it's, if we think we get to do whatever we want. We don't make reality. We don't make the ocean greater than it is either. And so we don't make God. But you know what we can do? We can make great God. In our own hearts. In other words, what we can do is we can, this is what Mary is talking about, we can bring our hearts into line with reality. We can actually make God as big as he actually is, as powerful as he actually is, as magnificent as he actually is. It is a beautiful, embracing paradox I want to make two quick applications of this the first is this the only way you're going to be able to do this is if you know the word of God that's it how can you make great God if you have no idea who he is you have to know the word of God Mary knew the word of God you want to know something? She knew the word. This is an amazing, this is an amazing thing. This, this, here she is. She's a freshman in high school. Probably illiterate from backwater Nazareth. I guarantee you she doesn't have a Bible in her heart, house. They don't have printing presses back then. She knew the word. Why did she know the word? Because she went to church and she was with God's people. She went to church and she was with God's people. So she writes this song. In this song, are packed. 17. Count them. 17 allusions to the rest of the Old Testament. 20 meditations on the attributes of God. This is who God is. She's got a reference to the Exodus. She's got quotations from the Psalms. And she has, to button it all up, a beautiful, bracing, Proclamation of a 2,000-year-old covenant that God had made to Abraham and that, by the way, is still good for us today. The very first step in being able to magnify God in our own hearts is to know the Word. To know the Word is to know God. To know God is to know His Word. That's the first application. Now there's a second that grows out of it. And it's the one I already gave you. Make God great in your own heart. Embrace in here the beautiful bracing paradox. You cannot make God more powerful or more saving or more majestic or more glorious than he already is. What you can do is recognize it about him. So do that. Can I help you for a minute? What are your troubles? Here today and gone tomorrow. Do you know who your God is? He is here today and He is already in tomorrow. He is eternal that way. What issue do you have on your mind and your heart right now? Can that issue bind up the oceans? Can that issue raise the dead? Can it? Because God can. And God does. In fact, you know know what my recommendation is for you this Christmas? Instead of worrying about your worries, how about this? Worry your worries. How about that? Worry your worries. Your worries. Worry your worries with God. Instead of thinking about all the things that could go wrong or have gone wrong, how about this? Think of all the different ways that God can make it right for you. Worry your worries with God. This is your first application. Our first major point. Embrace the beautiful, bracing paradox. Make God as great as He is in your heart. That's the first thing that Mary did. That's the first thing. It's not the only thing that she did, though. Here's the second key to resiliently singing in your life no matter what. Minimize pride. Minimize your pride. Now, notice what I didn't say. I, I could have said a different point, like minimize your issues. I didn't say that. That's a good thing to do, by the way. It's a true thing to do. In fact, I was talking about it just a minute ago, right? The bigger that God is in your heart, the smaller your issues are going to look next to that. The lighter your heart is going to get, the more joyful you are going to feel and the more you're going to be apt to sing. That's how it works. Maximize God. Minimize your issues next to Him but I didn't say that. Because there's an issue underneath all the issues. Why do, we get so, why do we get so worked up? Why do we get so nervous? Why do we get so anxious? Why? Because of pride, that's why. Go at it backwards. Look at Mary. What did she say? Why was she okay? She has all these massive changes massive changes in her life. Everything's changing in her life. Freshman in high school, all these things in her life. What does she say? I'm okay. I'm more than okay. I'm rejoicing. I'm happy about it. Why is she so happy? Because God was caring about her, she said, in her humble state. What is she saying? She's saying, I'm not the Lord of my life and I'm happy about it. I'm not in charge. I don't feel all of the pressure of my own life. God has got me and she's okay with it. Pride is the one that fights it pride is that it's prideful when we look back on our lives and we're so bitter about it we say I know how my life was supposed to go it's prideful to be anxious about our future I know how my life has to go or it's not going to be okay it's prideful Mary talks about what God does with the prideful by the way in the second stanza of the song what does he say God scatters the prideful he does too Prideful people, what are they doing? They are thinking they're in control of their own life. They have to think of a thousand potentialities. They have to think of a thousand things that they have to do, or if they get it wrong, and so what happens to them? They're scattered. They're anxious. They are worried. They are people who are falling apart because of their pride. Minimize pride. This is Mary. Now, I I think this is an amazing juxtaposition. Here we are in 2021. And I was just reading yesterday. Everybody says, amazing mental health problems in the United States of America. Amazing mental health problems. And what people are saying is that it's especially problematic with teenagers. And especially, especially problematic with teenage girls. It's heartbreaking. And here what you have is a teenage girl. Are you moved by this? I am so moved by this. Here you have a teenage girl, a freshman in high school, who is living a profoundly resilient, powerful Life. Think of what you're getting here. You are getting getting a revelation in her diary. You are getting an inside look, look what she's saying. Here's what she's not saying. She doesn't say, Dear diary, I am so nervous. What is Joe going to think about the pregnancy? No, nothing like it. Dear diary, what's everybody going to say at school? What's everybody going to say? I'm 14. No. Here you have a teenage girl who is showing us how to live a faith filled, resilient, joy filled life. She is so humble. She has lost all control in her life. Why is she so joy-filled? Because she she knows who has her. Hear me now, people of God. Your circumstances do not determine your joy. Your pride might. Your circumstances do do not determine your joy. They do not. But your pride might. God knows what's best for your life and he's working what's best for your life. Minimize your pride. Let me put it another way. It's Lent or it's Advent. In Advent we use the term repent. Repent of your pride. Give it up. God knows what's best for your life. Trust him. So you have it. There's your second critical key. And our first one, magnify God. Your second one, minimize pride. And now you have your third one. Trust the reversal. Trust the reversal. Here's what we've been saying so far. Magnify God in your heart. Magnify God in your heart. Minimize what you think you know best about your life. Minimize that. Embrace what God is doing in your life. He's doing it for your good. He's great. He's powerful. He's saving. Let off. Joy will rise. And you will sing a song of joy. That's what we've said so far. But all of that depends All of it depends on the reversal. See, because it goes like this. We need this God, this big, powerful God, to be for us. What if he's not? This is what what guilt is. Have you ever thought about this? This is what guilt is. Guilt is believing in your heart that you have a big, powerful God who is against you. That's what guilt is. That God is against you because of who you are and what you've done. That doesn't bring you joy. That brings you terror. Is God for you? That depends on a reversal. Let me see if I can show you this. Why in the world should we believe that God is for us when we have so hurt him? Why? Why in the world should we be able to suddenly return to God and say, you know what, God is going to be good to me because I have been oh so good to him. Really? Do you know what doubt is? Do you know what fear is? Do you know what at its most fundamental spiritual bottom? What is fear? What is anxiety? I'll tell you what it is. It's you saying to God, God, I don't think you're that good. That's what it is. That's exactly what anxiety, I, God, I don't think you're going to come through. I'm not quite so sure. I'm not sure if you love me or if you're powerful. I'm not sure. That's what, that's what it is. Why? Why in the world should we be able to trust that God doesn't mean good to us when we haven't been good to Him? Why? I'm impressed you on that. We're good Americans, right? As good Americans, we all deeply believe in egalitarianism. Everything should be fair. You know what we even say? We say, all sins are the same. <laughs> and if what, if what we mean by that is that God is angry about all sins and that they deserve judgment, we're right. <laughs> that, that is right but it's also, in a sense, wrong. Some sins are worse than others. Jesus teaches us that. And the worst sin is the sin against the first commandment. The worst sin is deeming God unable to be God. God unable to be a God who is trustable, who is loving, who is good. Why should we be able to trust Him when every time we're worried, when every time we're anxious, we're basically saying, God, I don't think you're really God. That depends on the reversal. Mary shows it to us like this. Let me see if I can bring you there. The true victory of faith is believing that God is for you even though He shouldn't be. That's the true victory of faith. And this is Mary. Mary believes that God is for her even though he shouldn't be. What did she say? She said, God has been mindful of me in my humble state. She believes something more than that God is big and that God is great and that God is powerful. That God was mindful of her. That God cared about her even though he shouldn't. In fact, I want to put it like this. Mary believed that she had a perfect mutuality with God. Remember before we said that, that God was big in Mary's heart. Mary believed that she was big in God's heart. There was a perfect mutuality there. God was in her and she was in God. And she believed that. God was for her. Her even though he shouldn't be. But why did she trust that? What was the foundation for that? Why can we? Because she knew that the Son of God was growing in her womb. God, inside of her, had attached Himself to us forever. It was the reversal. God was mindful of her, even though He shouldn't be. This is the victory of faith. It depends on that. I wish this morning that I could take a light in your heart and like flip it on with a switch. I wish I could for you to believe that. I can't. I can only tell you about it. And so I will. God is for you no matter what. It's true what Mary said. God is committed to filling the hungry with good things, to to take all of the things in your life that are backwards and reversing them. And she knew that because she knew that the Son of God was inside of her. Why do you think Jesus came? Do you think he was off in all eternity and he said, Father, I see all the natives down there on planet Earth. I think it'd be fun to join them. That's not why he came. He came to be what we are, so that one day we could go to where he's from. So God became one of us, and God was conceived, and there was a reversal. And then God died, and that was another reversal. And then death itself died, and that was a reversal. And then Christ came back to life, and that was yet another reversal so that lowly people like us could become exalted, so that sinners like us could become saints, so that people who are dying like us could get eternal life through him. Reversal, reversal, reversal. The reversals had started, and they had started with Mary. But, like I said before, they do not end with Mary. So, sing. Sing in your heart this Christmas. Come on, people of God, I'm trying to get you ready for Christmas right now. Sing in your hearts, no matter what. Sing. I don't care what's going on in your life, the good things, the bad things, the ands, the changes, sing. Because you know what God is doing through all of it. Sing through your pain. Sing through your tears. Sing through the good stuff. Sing through the bad stuff. Because you know that Christ, our Lord, attached himself. Think of this and be blown away to an umbilical cord so that one day he could attach himself with nails to a cross for you. So sing this Christmas. Keep on singing a resilient song, and then don't stop. Do not stop. I teach my daughter that Christmas is more than a day. It's 12 days, it's a whole season. Now I'm teaching it to you as my church. But the resilience of Christmas goes even further, it lasts all year long. Sing, come what may. Every change, every good, every bad. Sing. Magnify God in your heart. Minimize your pride. Trust the reversal until there are no more reversals to trust. Until finally, Christ has reversed Christmas itself. When it will no longer be us celebrating the fact that God became one of us and lived with us for a time. But that instead, it is us living with God forever because of him. Sing, people of God, always. Amen.